0: What's up, Longhorn fans? Welcome to another edition of Trey Chats, and this week we have another good one for you. A couple of different Longhorn voices coming up shortly. You will hear from Nate Boyer, who has a new film that he co-wrote, directed, and starred in. It is really good. It comes out on demand on Veterans Day on November 11th. But we will talk with him about that process, about how he feels about Longhorn football this year, and I may even sneak in a question about the direction of the country as well. For that, though, a guy that I always love talking about the direction of the country and the direction of the Longhorn football uh, program—it is the great Brian Jones of CBS. Of course, check him out every Saturday during college football season. He is the lead studio analyst for CBS's college football coverage. BJ, pleasure as always. How you doing this week?
1: Say, man, I'm I'm doing well just dodging uh, another hurricane down in South Florida, amongst other things that I'll let you and Nate take take up in y'all's conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's uh, tenuous conversations to be had for sure. But uh, we uh, get to speak in a little bit more optimistic terms about Texas football this week. Uh, They uh, go into Manhattan, Kansas, a a place that uh, over the last – Uh, 20 plus years hasn't always been kind to Texas and they take care of business, especially in the second half. Now we'll talk a a little bit about that uh, second half swoon once again here shortly, but what were some of the most encouraging things you saw out of this Texas football team last Saturday?
1: That they hung on and got a W that's the most encouraging thing. As you, you stated, man, that is a difficult place to, to get a victory. I've been there and it's tough. It's a cool, intense atmosphere they love their football ain't a damn thing else to do there so they might as well uh, and they, they play pretty tough ball but Texas was very physical especially in that first half uh, running the rock of course you have to start with Bijan uh, yours didn't have really uh, big numbers and overshot receivers a time and time again something's missing there I don't know what what's what's going awry uh, with him as far as his consistency and accuracy, but they need to get that fixed quick, uh, like this weekend uh, with TCU rolling in, but Bijan, it, it, the dude is just sick. Uh, the moves uh, and he, he can make that first guy miss it. And, and, and that second guy uh, normally uh, misses as well. And then he's off to the races. So, uh, What bothered me, though, was the second half. Uh, What is going on there? Why can't they finish the drill? It seems as though it's all gas, no brakes, and then there's no gas, uh, and it's all (laughs) brakes during the second half. I I don't get it. And, yes, your opponent's going to make adjustments. Why can't Texas make adjustments? That's mind-boggling, very perplexing here at the end of the season because it's going to continue to happen, apparently, because they haven't fixed it up to this point. So look for much of the same. And TCU is a team that gets out of the gate slowly. Texas is a team that gets out of the gate quickly. And so TCU prides itself on overcoming deficits in the second half. So this is perfect setup for them, a team that doesn't do much in those last two quarters. So they have to fix it. Uh, especially with everything that's on the line, playing themselves back into the Big 12 championship picture, so you give them a lot of credit going on the road, getting that victory, playing a tough-minded team, uh, and 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 finding a way to hold on. You know, defensively, uh, Trey, uh, there are some things that that looked pretty good. You know, that other team they have scholarship players as well, and 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 holding uh, Deuce and and K State to their lowest rushing total on the season. That's that's admirable. Uh, you, your hats off to that uh, uh Jalen Ford's getting better and better each week a fumble recovery an interception uh he, he's looking the part uh but there's some other things that bother you still not t- from a technique standpoint taking on blocks is as tough as you should uh, but they made plays I believe it was 23 and 28 in the end zone right there before the end of the first half uh, broke up a pass during the end zone uh they, they held K-State to field goals you know last drive you know, there was a first and 35 now on the game film. They don't show the penalties. I don't know what happened because there was a long game. And then next thing I know, the clock says first and 35. And they pick up the damn first down on the next freaking play. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You got a first and 35. There was one play, Jalen Ford, the first touchdown, actually, K-State scored during a two-concept. And I think they played two-man. And you got to, as the back and forward, you're relating to the number three You get a new number three, and he just goes too wide. I see this week in and week out with linebackers who have to carry that number three up the scene. They -hmm. get too wide, and the back works back in or the receiver works back inside because he's got a safety over the top. And I hate to get in the weeds on you, but I love that defensive concept, one of my favorites. And if you just go straight back, that receiver's got to work himself back to you. You're going to be right in the line. Uh, to get an interception. I got an interception that way. My only one in the NFL playing that coverage perfectly. Uh, But you see that over and over. So little things such as that, uh, not being mindful of, of, uh, you know, your coverage responsibilities, getting too wide. But once again, the the ultimate objective is to get the W, and they got the W.
0: Yes, they did. And as far as the defense is concerned, I'm a little bit surprised that Chris Kleiman, who's good at breaking down game tape, didn't try – a little bit more with regards to exploiting Texas on the edge. This Texas defense has been impossible to run up the middle on all year long. I understand that's Kansas state's MO Deuce Robinson or Deuce Vaughn rather is great between the tackles, but it clearly wasn't there on Saturday night and they've done a good job in the past over these last couple of years of just finding ways to get him the ball in space. Now did he end up with over a hundred total yards? Absolutely. But his game wasn't anywhere close to what Bijan Robinson provided for the Longhorns on Saturday. No doubt. And
1: I, I'm, I'm in accord with you as far as attacking Texas on an edge. And I bet you Sonny Dykes and, and Kendra Miller and Max Duggan will do that. And Max Duggan has had some some big outings versus the Longhorns running uh, the ball. So they need to shore that up and make sure you don't crash down as that end the edge defender. You don't crash down. You got to make sure you stay square parallel to that line of scrimmage. And see that quarterback hand that ball off because he will keep it and exploit your your uh your attempts to to crash and, and make a play where you have no business making a play. You let your inside guys, those, those tackles and that middle backer make that play. You take care of your responsibility. And essentially what you're seeing with these RPOs and these zone read offense, you're playing the triple option, man. It's difficult. It is, and I, and I, you know, having grown up playing against the option, and of course, we didn't have the RPO game when I was still balling. But that's a that's basically what it is. So you got to take care of your assignment. The same things we preach when we're, we got these uh, academy games, Air Force, Army, and Navy is take care of your assignment, do your job, and then become a football player. It's the same when you're taking on these type of uh, offenses and, and concepts and schemes. So. I don't know why that's not resonating with the edge defenders. We've been talking about it for a couple years now. Damn it. Just set the edge. Set the edge, and I promise you, you're going to have a lot more success taking on these offenses. So in
0: watching the game film for TCU, uh, what are you seeing on offense? Uh, What do you like that they do? and Do you see any holes that the Texas defense may be able to exploit?
1: Well, one – Quentin Johnston, we'll see if he's going to play. He came out of last week's ball game. Man, he's difficult to handle. He's a big body receiver, very physical receiver. So, if you are going to tangle with him, you better bring some muscle cuz he he will he will body you up such as a power forward and, and stay between you and, and the football. And then they've got this other kid, the Davis, who ran a touch uh, a punt back last week. He has five uh, touchdown returns. And he's just as good as Tay Barber. It may not be as big, but those guys are are, are, are good weapons for Sonny Dykes and, and Max Duggan and this Miller. He's a thousand yard runner, so he's got a big back who will bold over you. Has a little wiggle, uh, but he's going to be strong, man. And and you you, you got to strap it on tight to uh, to take this guy on. Uh, and, and so that's what stands out to me. And, and Max Duggan, uh, his toughness and resiliency, and how physical he is when he runs the rock uh, it, it's amazing that this guy you know he, he could be a fullback <laughs> or H back the, the 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 toughness with which he he uh displays on the football field defensively they give up some yards they give up some points they're they're just under 30 points a game so texas can exploit that they can make some hay against this this defense and i think Bichon went off against against them uh last year uh there in fort worth had a pretty good Pretty good game. So they should be able to move the ball. The key, once again, is in the second half. What do you do if you have a lead to maintain that lead? You, you, you got to get out of this just three points in the second half or no points in the second half. Just, I, what's going on? Are, are guys just going to the library and say, all right, we got it. We can chill out. I don't know, but they need to find a way to keep them revved up uh, at halftime if they are to go in there with a, with a lead. And come out and display the same fervor that uh, they showcased in the first half.
0: Yeah, one problem that's especially frustrating in the second half of these games, BJ, is that it's uh, a lot of the Longhorns shooting themselves in the foot on offense. Yes, and you su- suffer these pre-snap procedural penalties, and Steve Sarkisian talked about this in his press conference on Monday. I mean, it puts you so far behind the eight ball with regards to just getting that next first down, much less sustaining a drive and allowing your defense to stay off the field for a few additional minutes.
1: Yeah, they had seven penalties in this game, so that's a marked market improvement from the last ball game where they had fourteen. So we give them a little credit there, but that's still too many, and, and a couple turnovers. Uh, they force K State into a couple turnovers uh, as well. So you're right, the self inflicted wounds they have to uh, dispatch. Uh, of those eras uh, and 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 stay out of your own way. Uh, that's the key. But I, I'm anticipating this game with everything that's on the line, t- both of these teams are, are, are ranked. TCU is now getting its just due, being at number four spot. Uh, I'm anticipating a Texas team to come out and play as they did in that second ball game versus balance. They've got to be a swarming defense again. Hey, watching that four-man rush get to Adrian Martinez, that was impressive. Now, they brought the blitz every now and then. They'd have a five-man pressure or six-man pressure. But watching 93 and 99, uh, and I think it was 99 that, had that caused that last fumble uh, to seal the victory, watching those guys be able to, to get pressure on Adrian Martinez, that was very positive, and they need to bring that again this weekend. So if you can get there with four – and at least employ a spy, if you will. all <clears throat> of what LSU did to Bryce Young in Alabama last week. Now, Overshawn has the same type of speed as that that Harold Perkins Jr., that true freshman out of Cypress that plays for LSU, and he was running down Bryce Young. Overshawn, he has that same type of talent, so maybe they utilize him in, in that manner if they can maintain pressure on uh, on Duggan with just four.
0: Yeah, well put there. We'll uh, get your final prediction at the end of uh, today's chat. First though, wanted to uh, look at some of the other big games on this weekend's college football slate and we start in Oxford, Mississippi, the game that you guys are covering at 2:30 on CBS. That would be number 9 Alabama, number 11 Ole Miss. God, I always love when uh, Lane Kiffin goes up against Nick Saban. It's like little <laughs> brother syndrome. He just loves to antagonize Nick Saban. Uh, can't hold can't Miss and, and uh, Lane Kiffin pull off the upset this weekend?
1: Hey, man, if, if, if Bama is still sitting there lingering from a, a dramatic loss to LSU, yes. I just have not seen them do that under Nick Saban. They're one of the best at getting off the mat and 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 getting up and, and and preparing and playing well next time out and Bryce Young is gonna do his thing. I just mentioned Harold uh Perkins Jr. uh the way he was deployed throughout that game. I don't know or I do know there's not a player on that Ole Miss defense that can do what he did, I don't believe. And 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 so if there is, he needs to uh announce himself early in this ball game. Now they have the receivers such as lsu that can cause problems down the field and i thought that of lsu last week i still picked bama to win but i thought they had enough receiver prowess to uh cause some issues and and you know mingo and the others and, and dart who can utilize his legs he's no Jaden daniels i don't believe uh but uh, he could spin it uh if those guys can really protect dart and get this Judkins, J- jutkins this true freshman man this guy's a beast from Alabama, this Quinshine. And what they have, 390 versus AM, their last ball game. Um, and you look at Bama, man, They've they, three games where they've given up about 185, 182, 187. They've lost two of those three, Tennessee and, and LSU, of course, last week. So if they can have some balance, they've got a shot. But I'm going to take Bama.
0: What about Texas A and M? They and Auburn are uh, squaring off. A couple of teams that have gone a long time without winning a football t- uh, football game. Can A and M get back to the winning ways this weekend?
1: Man, they, they may you know they may be sulking over there. Uh, and and Auburn, that was my upset pick last week. I was so close. The dummies, you take the lead. You got a minute and some change left on the clock, and some knucklehead gets a face mask penalty on the kickoff puts Will Rogers the third, and, and Mississippi State on the 50, and they didn't have far to go to, to kick a field goal to tie it up and then obviously win the dang ball game. But Cadillac Williams uh, had him come back because they were behind big in that game. And so, uh, you know, he's animated on that sideline. That's his alma mater. I believe he'll have him fired up. Uh, Robbie Astro's playing better at the quarterback position. Uh, I, I don't know what AM's and psyche is going to be, to tell you the, the, the truth, Trey. This five games they've lost – Five now, they, they, I'm sorry. What they lost five straight? Is that yeah. what it is? Five straight, and they came into the season ranked number six in the nation, and they lost five straight. So I can't tell you what their their, their psyche is going to be, their mindset going to this. They may just say, "Hey, I'm done." They've got guys that are decommitting from them currently. It's just a hot mess over there. I would say Auburn will have more to play for in this game, and people, I should say, more fired up to play in this ball game than Texas A&M.
0: Yeah, A&M is a loss away from not qualifying for a bowl game this year, which we as Longhorn fans can't say too much about because we missed a bowl game last year, but it uh, is still nice to see little brother go through those same sorts of struggles as well. All right, we're going to look at one more uh, game from this weekend's schedule, another top 25 matchup. Number 25, Washington, and number 6, Oregon, a team that since that first game of the year has been playing about as good a ball as anybody in the country. Uh, Bo Nix, the real deal, once he got settled in, he's about as good as any quarterback in the country right now. Is there uh, any chance that Oregon suffers the upset in this at Ottson? Autzen- I'm going
1: yeah. to say yes. Uh, and and both of these quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr., when he was at Indiana, at least last year, his last year there, uh, and now he's back with Kalen DeBoer, his head coach, who coached him the best year he had there at Indiana was with DeBoer as his OC. Mm-hmm. And Bo Nix, what a wonderful story this is, man. I thought this dude was unfixable. Everything he went through at, at Auburn, and now he goes there to Oregon, and he's just been lights out. He's in the Heisman race for, for, for some. He's been incredible. But I'm going to say Washington is righted itself from back-to-back losses, UCLA and, and Arizona State, I believe it was, and, and they can go in and get a victory versus Oregon. I believe Oregon's won the last three or four straight Versus them. And this is a big game, huge game in the Northwest, man. These two don't like each other and you have to have an appreciation uh, for the angst uh, that, that uh, lives uh, between these two. Uh, So I'm going to, I'm going to go for an upset, man. I'm going to say Washington uh, upsets uh, Oregon on their home turf. They've got a pass defense that is vulnerable and Michael Penix Jr. The way he's been spinning it, man, he, he should be able to take advantage.
0: All right, love to hear it. And finally, we have number 4 TCU at number 18 Texas. 6.30 kickoff on ABC. Can the Longhorns win this one? It's not technically an upset. Vegas has Texas uh, favored by about a touchdown right now, but can Texas uh, handle business once again?
1: Yeah, which was interesting. I'm going to say yes, Texas can win. I'm back on the bandwagon after not being last week. Uh, They, as I said a moment ago, I believe you're going to see that same intensity we witnessed versus Alabama. They bring that intensity to this ballgame and they stay away from the penalties we just discussed and the turnovers. They can win this ballgame. It's there. Just put everything together and throwing the fact man, you got an opportunity to play for a championship, a Big 12 championship. And you may see these guys again, but who gives a damn about seeing them again? You take care of it right now. You worry about the game that's in front of you. Uh, so, yes, Texas can win and I believe Texas will win.
0: Okay, the only other question I have for you, BJ, because this question has been floating around Longhorn circles for the last 24 hours or so. If Texas wins the game on Saturday night, should the fans rush the field? No. I no. agree. I don't I don't even know why this is a question. No. It's like we, we're jealous of, of getting to see others do it that we want to do it ourselves. No. We don't rush the field for any game, much less, and I, I get it, TCU's number four right now. Much less for the TCU
1: Horn Frogs. Thank you. It's TCU. No disrespect, but it's TCU. That's a disrespect. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't rush the field for that. No, no, no.
0: He is Brian Jones. Check him out this weekend on CBS. He will be a part of that pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage uh, surrounding that Alabama Ole Miss game. And you can hear him every Wednesday on Trey Chats during football season. BJ, thank you as always for the time, my friend. You got it, my man. And we've got
1: Tennessee and Missouri first. We got a doubleheader. So we'll oh, get, wow. We'll Tennessee and Missouri first. Yet. Yeah. Okay. See if Tennessee can get up off the mat. How about that butt whipping? I didn't That's see fun. that coming, homie.
0: Most of us did not. I mean, we we thought that if Alabama won the game, it might turn into a bit – or if Georgia won the game, it might turn into a bit of a shootout. Tennessee's yeah. offense never really showed up, though, and that's uh, obviously a testament to just how good that dog's D is. No doubt. That's big time there, man.
1: Appreciate you, dog.
0: Hook em. We go from one lifetime longhorn to another now, this being Nate Boyer, former active-duty Green Beret, former NFL player with the Seattle Seahawks, world traveler, philanthropist, community leader, and now a filmmaker – His new movie that he co-wrote, directed, and starred in is called MVP. It's available starting this Friday, Veterans Day. That's November 11th, On Demand. Earlier, I had a chance to speak with Nate about the movie, Texas football, and more. Thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, Trey. Thanks for having me, brother.
0: It is my pleasure. And uh, I got to tell you, man, you were nice enough to send me a link to uh, to watch this movie before uh, you and I had a chance to chat. And... I am just blown away by what the end result was. And for people who are maybe vaguely familiar with what you've got going on or maybe unfamiliar uh, totally, this is a movie that you not only starred in, but you also co-wrote and you directed it as well. And the end result is so good. It's certainly not that of uh, somebody who's uh, really their first time doing all those different things. So for you, what was the starting point for this process and putting this movie together?
2: Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I I definitely want to say first and foremost, and I'm not just saying this like it's a press conference, you know, but it really was a, a huge team effort. Uh, I had some incredible support on this thing from the beginning, from the inception of the idea through writing it, you know, which I I co-wrote it uh, with another veteran. Um, he actually told me this is he's the one who came up with the idea of like, hey, we should do this, we should do a movie about the how MVP started. Um, to the cast and crew. Every veteran portrayed on screen is played by a vet. Most of the crew uh, were veterans, and these athletes are playing themselves, you know? So it's like a very authentic look at merging vets and players, our organization, um, and kind of a lot of our experiences, uh, but also, like, it was made by us, you know, some passionate people that really cared about it. not only MVP um, as an organization, but just people and just veterans, and, like, not wanting to screw the story up, wanting to get it right. Um, so that was, you know, and that, I feel like that's clear in the film because it took me a long time to appreciate it and accept uh, that 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 kind of uh, compliments like that because you know I'm always so worried about screwing it up, you know, and telling our story wrong or like not doing it justice. And because of the people involved that wouldn't let us fail, uh, it did, not you know, and I'm really proud of that. How this thing all started, um, as I. Kind of mentioned there. His name's Garrett Jones. He served in the in the military in the UK, actually, but he served alongside a lot of uh, Americans, largely Marines. He was in LA uh, visiting some of these guys, and he came to an MVP session. Um, and I'll get a little more into what MVP is later—the you know, organization, the charity. But came to a huddle and it was just like, "Dude, this is these are all the things I've been trying to say, and all the things that I'm feeling that I haven't been able to to get out, you know, and now." i am i am i feel like my i feel like my voice is heard and i feel like uh everything i was trying to express like this is this is a place to do it when we're in a huddle and sitting in a room with other vets and athletes they kind of feel the same way and he's like and i I, you know i'm a novelist i've written a few books and military memoirs i think this is a movie i think you've got to tell this story and you know i'd love to help you write it if if you, something you want to work on, he he knew I was working a little bit in film and TV. had been doing some acting, some hosting, and um, had uh, co-created and produced a few things. But I've you know i would never written or directed a, a scripted film or anything like that. So we started hashing it out. This guy is insane. His name's Garrett Jones, by the way. I'm sure he's going to listen to this. He's a big football fan. Hmm. But he goes away for like three days and comes back with a first draft. Like a hundred and twenty-page script, you know what I mean? Like unbelievable. Wow. Uh, And then we just we worked through it. Um, From there, we started sending it to people like Braden Aftergood, who would eventually become an executive producer on it, and he is producing partners with Sylvester Stallone, Um, and that's where we got the the Stallone stamp of approval and and his name on the project. Um, And we sent it to other people, uh, Jordan Levin, who is a UT grad uh, and a good friend of mine. You know that's worked. very high up at a lot of uh, big uh, studios and production companies and stuff like that. Um, and we sent it to, uh, uh, Christian Gudegast, writer and director of Den of Thieves and, um, many other projects who I had the good fortune of working on one of his films. So we had these like Titans in the industry that were giving us script notes, you know, and we're just like these two guys trying to figure it out, but they just were moved by the story as well. And that just kind of kicked the ball. Um, you know, down the field, little by little. And uh, it was, it was a, you know, a, a good year plus of drafts and redrafts and notes and, you know, changes and for us to get it to a place that we thought we could start kind of pitching it and figuring that out. And then COVID sort of kicked everything into high gear. And we just, I found out the Veterans Homeless Shelter that we shot at was about to phase down. And I was like, we have to film there. We have to film on location. So we just have to do this now. And so this thing that that was we were planning on making for quite a bit more money <laughs> it was made for next to nothing um, back in uh, October of 2020. But we had to we had to make it happen. We had to get it done, and we did. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm proud that I'm I'm very happy that we were able to, to make it happen.
0: Um, so, at what point in the this pro- at what point what point in this process, Nate, did you guys decide that it would be a good idea for you not to, not only playing one of the lead characters? <laughs> Anybody who hasn't heard uh, a basic summary of uh, what this movie is, I'm going to just rip it straight from uh, the Apple TV description right now. A recently retired NFL player develops a strong bond with a homeless veteran who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. You play that homeless veteran. So at what point was it decided that you should not only play the lead, but also direct this film?
2: It came down to a money decision mostly. Um, you know, honestly, from the directorial side, uh, Braden Aftergood and I had been talking about this for a long time. Like, Braden, he he was a producer on Lone Survivor, um, Friday Night Lights. He, he worked with Peter Berg for a long time and then sort of went off on his own and eventually teamed up with Stallone, uh, for about Bal- to, to, to start Balboa Productions. And Braden was like, I think it's really important with this film that you have a lot of veterans involved at all levels, but. It'd be really cool if you could find a veteran to direct this, right? Hmm. And I knew in my mind at that point when we had that conversation, you know, my thought process was one day, one day, I'll, you know, I'll be ready to direct a film, but I'm not ready yet. Like I don't know, I don't know enough about this world, and I don't, I don't really know uh, if I could handle that kind of responsibility because it's your name on it. I mean, it's your project. It doesn't matter. Okay, I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter. It, it's like, it's like if you're the head coach, right? And the team has a you know suffers a tough loss a bad loss, whatever, all signs point back to you. No matter who made the mistakes out there, it, it, it comes back to you. And it's the same kind of um, responsibility. But also, like you need to understand everything going on around set and whose role is what and what's important and all that. And I was still kind of learning that. So for me, when we first started talking about this project, I, I wasn't sure I could handle it. I wasn't sure I could do it. So I started interviewing some veterans, and I met six six different ones um that were kind of younger in the industry like me but had made some stuff they've already directed some some you know, tv series some shows and some, some films and music videos various things like that and they were all amazing and right? they really were but they didn't quite have that same connection to mvp like i did and after meeting them and kind of hearing about what their approach would be it was pretty similar to, to my approach in a lot of ways. And I just remember thinking I, I can, maybe, maybe I can do this. Like maybe I should just believe in myself a little more and do it because one thing I know I'll be able to bring in is some of these, uh, some of the names we were able to bring in on the athlete side. Right. Um, and I know the vets will want to work on this thing. If I, and I, I know the language I need to speak to the, these MVP members to guide them. And so I just said, you know what, I'll direct it. First of all, I don't have to pay a director then. <laughs> that <laughs> saves us. Um, and then when it came down to shooting it, you know, I was always planning on playing a kind of a smaller role, right? Hmm. Um, but once we were kind of knee deep in this idea of all these vets on screen being played by vets, and we were casting it as such, and I had it in my mind when we were writing it, and I'm getting ready to direct it, like who's going to play what role? Um, I just was like, thinking, you know what, I I, I can do this. I, I just produced my first feature film in January that was made for a, also a very low budget. And in that film, the director was also the lead actor in it. And he had a good team behind him supporting him. And, you know, it was very challenging, but we got through it and figured it out. And so I was like, you know what? Like, that's one less person I have to f- pay, one less mouth I have to feed. <laughs> but also, like... I know I'm committed to this and I'm going to go all in on it. I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to let, when I'm on camera, I'm going to let these people with more experience than me coach me. Right. And kind of direct me through that. Cause I had another UT grad, uh, Jared Hoffman I brought on as a producer mm-hmm. when we were shooting it and Jared, you know, as well as Mo McRae, who plays Will Phillips, the, the other lead, they yeah. are behind the camera coaching me up. You know what I mean? And those guys are back there making sure we're getting what we need in the monitor, you know, Uh, Because I'm not able to be back there and and watching it. And one thing that I pride myself on is collaboration and making sure that if I put strong people in positions of leadership, um, as much as I maybe want to fight it sometimes, I need to trust them. You know, I need to just trust them that we got it. And I had an amazing DP, very young guy. Uh, Turns out he was the only uh, department head who wasn't a veteran on this project, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. And, you know, it just... uh, it just came down to that like just these people have been there a lot more than you have mate so listen to them you know and I mean it, it, it's challenging it's, it's certainly like one of those situations where you're so passionate about the story and sometimes it blinds you a bit and you get in your own way because you're so afraid like I said earlier letting people down or screwing it up and so you're fighting with yourself you're You end up fighting with other people on set about how something should be portrayed or shot. And if something goes wrong, I just remember. And everything every day, something goes wrong. And Murphy just, that's what a movie is. Mm -hmm. But I was, I would, you know, I struggled with that and I had fortunately a very patient, um, understanding, amazing team behind me, making sure that uh, we weren't going to fail, you know, not letting us fail. So it was, it was just—it was just one of those things that, that uh, I felt I could do it. I felt confident that I could put this, bring this thing to life, and make it happen. But I knew I had to put the best possible team around me, and I was able to, even though I, you know, <laughs> at times I couldn't really pay them, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I'm—I'm uh, I'm just grateful that they stepped up and and, and really saved MVP because MVP as an organization is saving a lot of people's lives, and it was important to do this story justice and tell it right.
0: Yeah, I would imagine for a lot of folks that it uh, comes down to, much like what we hear in sports all the time, that it comes to, down to the the love of the project and uh, believing in the cause that it all stands for. And you and Mo McCray had a great rapport on screen, but there were moments where you're having to act on your own throughout this film as well. And and you really dig down and you hit certain emotional chords that I'm sure for a lot of people, actors included, are very difficult. Was that easier for you to do based on your own experiences and I'm sure the countless conversations that you've had over the years with veterans who are struggling with their own mental health issues.
2: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated
0: world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your
2: Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I don't know if it was easier, probably not easier because I think I have a lot of respect for, for the job of, of an actor, right? Um, willing to be vulnerable and kind of put yourself out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, it's challenging, and 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 it's a, there's a reason it's a very competitive field, and it's very hard um, to to gain any traction in that world and to be successful because a lot of people want to do it, um, but a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work that it takes, and also kind of you know rip that chest open and show show who you are and what's going on because that's it's challenging to do, and it's especially challenging in some ways I think for a lot of us veterans and, and probably athletes, you know. who... Pride ourselves and toughen it out, you know, and suck it up and drive on, and all those things we talk about. And this is like the opposite of that when you have to just be willing to be vulnerable. Um, I don't know if it was it definitely wasn't easier, but I understood it. I related to it so much. And, you know, all the words in the script and, and that, you, that you see on screen and hear on screen, those are more than us writing it. We transcribed it. You know, those are, like you said, those are the stories of. These people, these, those are things I've heard people say. That line, most of my post-traumatic stress is from lack of traumatic stress. A veteran told me that, a very accomplished veteran who's done some pretty incredible things in, in the highest possible unit you can imagine. He told me that on Ventura Boulevard in L.A., uh, we ran into each other and we were having a conversation. And he said that and I was like, it just sat with me. You know, Just I was like, man, that is powerful. And I totally get that. Like I feel that. Um, and, uh, and so we, we put it in the film, you know, and like that, that, that's how all the dialogue was written and all these stories and moments, it was all from those, uh, other people's stories and moments, you know, really, I mean, people that, what they've shared at MVP, what we've, what I've heard other people's, you know, say in the past and, and same with the athletes. These are all things that have been said when you get to the scenes with, with Tony Gonzalez and Randy Couture and Jay Glazer, those people, those men. That's they've said those exact things at MVP in a session in a huddle, right? Jared Bunch, the guy who plays Ray Jones, he was a first round draft pick, the New York Giants, um, and is you know a very he's a very good actor too, he's great. But that guy, um, has been a member, you know, and a part of our team for a long time. And a lot of what he said, a lot of the story development with uh, the Will Phillips character, it's from people like Jared, it's from people like Tony Gonzalez, you know, and these guys that have told these stories and then when they get there you know in the huddle on screen they're just sharing what they've shared all along with us and you know i remember tony's scene specifically it's written down in the script and it's pretty much what he had said in a session before what i wrote and we get there and i was like all right you got it all memorized and he's like yeah yeah i got it i'm ready you know i'm like cool just tell your story don't worry about the script at all i don't care if it takes you five minutes or whatever like just tell your story how you how you Hold it in here. You're talking to this group. Do do not worry about the script. Just just tell it. And he did. And it was perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I think we just did it twice. I think the first time, I feel like the first time, he was like word for word on the script. And I was like, no. And it was still good. But I was like, Tony, I just want to see you. Dude, you are way more interesting than these words. So you just just tell that story. So he tells that story, you know. And I know you remember because you just saw it. Like when he's talking about going out to Spain and people will see it. And, and they'll get a yeah, chance to experience he, it too. He, that's he just really, a real story.
0: He, re- yeah. he really went through that struggle as a uh, in his post playing career. Wow. Exactly. Is- I mean, this
2: guy, you know, seventeen year uh, NFL, maybe the greatest all tight end of all time, Hall of Famer, first ballot, broadcasting career, whatever, whatever he wants. You know, handsome dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And still, just like everybody, man, we all struggle, and he, He's the one who coined that that phrase we use all the time, like, that. I'll never be great again. That feeling of just like peaking, you know, and he's and he was in his late 30s. A lot of these guys, vets and athletes alike, they're in their early 20s and it's over. You know what I mean? And like to feel like you have peaked then is just so challenging to, to move forward. And so that was just all that all that authenticity and just those, those real stories. That's what that's what made this thing work, because it was just real.
0: That's really cool to hear. And one of the themes throughout this movie, uh, something that's uh, said and verbatim in some cases, but uh, in a roundabout way in others is that everybody's fucked up. Like you may be really fucked up and respect to that, but everybody is fucked up. So to think that you're the only one going through problems, you're wrong about that. And it's why it's not only okay, but necessary to open up to other people so that you can really see that the, some of the struggles that others are going through and maybe that will end up helping you in the long term. So my question for you based on that Nate because you're a pretty, pretty uh stand up dude obviously uh somebody that longhorn fans take a lot of pride in and getting to call our own how are you fucked up?
2: That's a great question. I I uh we all are. We're all a mess. You know, there's another line right before that you know, everybody, you think you got the monopoly on pain, right? Um, And that's, and that's, that's such a a real thing. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of vets out there. I think that they get home and they feel like not only is no one going to understand me, but no one feels this pain that I feel. There's no way they could like after what I witnessed, what I experienced. Um, But pain is relative and, and pain is pain. You know, everybody, has it, everybody has their issues. Everybody feels like an imposter at times. Everybody, um, everybody feels like they're not enough, you know, and they're not, they're not, they're not good enough and they're not worth it. And um, they don't make a difference and they don't belong. Like we all have felt that, you know, that's why bullies bully because they don't feel like they belong, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody feels that it doesn't matter uh, what you've sort of been through. Uh, and, and that's super important. And that's like kind of the, that's, that's a big piece of why MVP, the organization works. So let me tell a little bit about MVP. So MVP stands for merging vets and players. What we do is we bring together combat vets and former professional athletes. We help them find purpose and identity when the uniform comes off. Um, we found back in 2015, after I'd been cut from the Seahawks, you know, uh, I, I spent 10 years in the army five years at ut and um i got to i got the had the honor and the privilege of uh, serving in the special forces and being in that longhorn locker room and you know, there was so many similarities with the camaraderie with uh the purpose the structure the mission you know being a part of a team being shoulder to shoulder quite literally uh you know the men on your left and right next to you like you got to You got to, uh, trust them. And, you know, the best teams are ones that are selfless, you know, and about the people around them, like is war and playing football the same or even similar? No, not at all. Um, but the locker room is like so similar, you know, and the loss uh, of all those things, when you lose the uniform, including that, that feeling that you, that identity of like, this is who I am. I am a, I am a Green Beret. I am a Texas Longhorn or a Seattle Seahawk. Um, And, like, I'd gotten out of the military in February of 2015. And 2014 was my senior year at Texas. I had – in May, I went to the Seahawks as an undrafted free agent. And I I got to play in one preseason game. And then that next round of cuts, my number got pulled. And so that's September of 2015. Now I go from the last 10 years of my life having – you know, the camouflage, the burn orange, uh, the Seahawks Jersey. And like, these are who I am. That's why I feel like I am anyway. And now it's like, I'm none of those things. And I'm 34 years old and yeah, I got to do some really cool stuff. And yeah, I got a good story and whatever, all that. But it felt like it was over. Like my story's done, you know? And it's like, man, I might, I might live another 50 years, 60, if I'm real healthy. Like I got to figure this out. You know what I mean? Um, I can't this can't be the end. This can't be my greatest moment. I remember something Mac Brown he said I wasn't in that locker room because I didn't win a national championship, but when I mean, he's in the locker room after they win the uh the national championship in 06, you know, with with uh, with VY and the Rose Bowl, he says, Don't let, let don't let this be the greatest moment of your life. You know what I mean? It's, don't let don't let that be. And it's and it's amazing because it's like that's what anybody would think. You know, you're where you're in that jersey, you're in that locker room. Um after that moment, like that's that's what everyone's gonna remember, you were, remember you as. You know, I, I was just with Jonathan Scott last night. It's like he's a member of that team, he's a you know, that's the national champion. Like that's oh that's Jonathan Scott, he won the national championship with Texas in 06. And it's like that's who you feel like you are, you know. Um and and I just was kind of struggling with figuring out what I was gonna do next. I, I had a lot of ideas and dreams. I've always been a big dreamer, but I was like, man, I got to start all over, <laughs> you know, like I put all this time and energy into this and I knew it wasn't gonna last forever, but it didn't matter because I was passionate about it. That's what I wanted to do. And now it's like, I wasn't really preparing for it to be today. And all of a sudden it's like, this is it, you know, it's today and I'm done. And so like, yeah, you know, I thought about going back in the military and I'd become good friends with Jay Glazer and Jay, um, for those that don't know is you know, the ultimate, uh, NFL insider really uh, he works for Fox and he's he's I mean this guy has had uh, relationships close friendships for 30 years uh, with players coaches GMs you know and so he sees and for over those 30 years he's seen these guys that come in the league first round draft picks The basically the story of Will Phillips our lead character here in the movie you know deal with injuries Um, be on bad teams, coaching changes, all these things happening and just struggle with feeling like they were a bust and they didn't do enough and they could have been better. And, you know, and then they get, they get cut and it's over and it's like, they just deal with this huge crisis of identity, not only identity, but just like, man, I'm a failure. You know, I just, I'm a, I'm a huge bust I didn't make it. I let everybody down and I'm just going to go into hiding. And so many vets feel that same way too, you know, like this, whether it's, it's from survivor's guilt or, you know, litany of other things. And they're just like, well, I, I, I just, uh, I'd rather sh- separate, um, from the guys that I served with. I'd rather just disconnect and kind of go my own way. And, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out on my own. You know, I survived war. I can survive this. Hmm. And it's not always true. I mean, you look at veteran suicide rates and, and a lot of these athletes too, um, and at least the, you know, depression, anxiety, mental health issues, all these things that a lot of these people seem to suffer with, suffer, suffer from, um, it, it's, it's just, it's this, this, the similarities are pretty compelling and, um, there's also like on the good side of things, there's this mutual respect between vets and athletes, like they understand had to sacrifice quite a bit to be elite right um you got to put you got to pour a lot of time and energy into it you have to be committed um those that make it at the highest levels and in, in sports aren't always the most athletic and the, and the most capable they're the ones who worked the hardest and took care of themselves and you know we're up at up at that in that 6 a.m workout they were in there early and taking care of their body and nutrition and all that thing i mean i, I think everybody understands that from the veteran side of things but i think people often don't realize uh, that side of it from the athletes. But then also, the typical NFL career is three years, you know, if you even make it that far and you're cut. And it's like, you don't know what day that's coming. You're not prepared for that. And it's a little different in the military. We almost have the advantage in that respect of like, I signed up for four years. I'm in for four years. I know this is the day that I get out. I can extend if I want. Um, but, but, you know, so that's a little bit different. We don't just get cut, right? Um, Of course if something happens tragic i mean you're 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 at war so like it can end of course you know that stuff happens but it's just a little bit different uh mindset and preparation but both those both those groups vets and athletes like we we don't have a plan b because we feel like if we do we're not going to put all our energy into plan a and if we don't do that we're not plan a is not going to work out so we have to just, we don't think about the future and think about what's going to happen when we lose the team in uniform. We don't, we don't even like go there because it's just, if I have that mindset that this could end, uh, it's going to, you know what I mean? It's, I'm, I'm already, I'm already, it's like self fulfilling prophecy. That's how we feel. So we don't even like, don't even consider that as an option. Uh, what, what's going to happen when it ends? It's just never going to end, you know? <laughs> That's just how I feel. So anyway. The, the organization came about from a need that I had um, and an understanding that a lot of vets and athletes were feeling. Less. And Jay, Jay recognized it even before I did because um, Jay Glazer is who I co-founded MVP with. And, uh, you know, now we've got eight chapters around the country. And we just had an event tonight with the Dallas Cowboys. And the movie's playing right now at the Star, which is really cool. There's 300 people in there getting to watch it for the first time and, you know, Coach Quinn and Coach McCarthy were there and they understand how valuable MVP is. And they, you know, they 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 try to involve their players and former players as much as they can, as well as the vets. And um, yeah, it's just it's a cool deal. And and MVP is about the genesis of, of merging vets and players. The movie is. The movies about how it all began.
0: And people can go to vetsandplayers.org to find out more info. You can also become a member there as well. I'm sure you can uh, donate there, too, uh, because this is yep. such a good cause. Please do. <laughs> now, mate, I, I can't let you go without asking you uh, a little bit about Texas football, because I know as busy as you are, you still try and find time to keep track of what's going on with the team. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Coach Sark and company in the middle of year two? You know, there, there have been some moments this year that are a little bit disappointing, but overall, uh, got to feel oh, pretty man. good about how things stand heading into a big matchup with TCU this weekend.
2: Yeah, I feel really good about it. I mean, we all know this. And it is what it is. But I mean, we're sniffing at nine and oh. you know what I mean? Like we almost beat Alabama, um, with our number one, with QB one out, you know, for 85% of the game. And, um, and we still fought and Hudson card came in and did a, did a, did a great job Man, did everything he could. Uh, it just didn't go all the way. I mean, that's Alabama. It's a great damn team. So that was, uh, Already impressive. I was in the stadium there. Just the energy—that's the one game I got to go to this year. Mm. It was just awesome. I mean, I was—it was amazing. It really did feel um, feel special to be there, even though we didn't we didn't finish. We're going to beat them in Tuscaloosa next year, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know that as well as I do. Um, But you know, and then obviously Tech was playing it playing out in Lubbock is tough, but that was a heartbreaking game. You know, being up like that and losing in overtime. Same thing happened with Okie State for the most part. Felt a lot like Tech. And we've had a couple other games that started ahead of that way, including last week, Kansas State, where it's like we're still learning to be a second-half team, but we're finishing some of these games, you know, and we're, we're winning. We're closing out and learning how to win. And that's huge. That's huge. So the growth is there. I mean, we've already won more games than last year. Like I said, we are on, on the edge of being 9-0. and We can beat any team in the country, and we know that. And that's, that's a good feeling because it hasn't felt like that um in prior years right i mean but i literally there's not a team i don't think we go toe-to-toe with and make it make a game out of I, I i don't care who it is you know what i mean I, I truly believe that um and people may say that in the past maybe i'd even say that but I, I i don't know if i fully believe that um i absolutely believe that right now that we can beat anybody and i hope the team believes that they should believe that um and i think they're going to beat tcu i really do i think T- tcu is a great team they're always fast they're always um you know they score a lot of points and they got a tough D, um, but at the end of the day, we know we've got the we've got the most talented team on the field, like from an athletic standpoint, overall size wise, and all that. We, we do, you know, and we know that. Um, well, we have and the, now we have it's just a great, matter of believing. We have,
0: great, that, we have the great equalizer. His name is Bijan Robinson. Okay, I, mean,
2: I can't. Man, he's I'm, we're gonna miss him when he's gone. Does he have one more year? Is he is he stuck one more year with us?
0: technically he has one more year but he's he's going pro once the season is over with
2: oh but so this is his third year out of high school so already. it's his third year out of high school yeah so yeah oh yeah he's go
0: after this yeah year. he gone
2: he gone <laughs> i don't blame him and he should and he absolutely should um but he's been yeah he's been uh he's been incredible for us but i mean on both sides of the ball this year that's the, that's been another thing both sides of the ball uh we've been very very good very dominant in a lot of ways i mean that oklahoma game i know that was wasn't their qb1 either but it was 49 to nothing and it could have been a lot worse like it, it felt worse i mean we just absolutely dominated that game um and and that was and that was pretty cool just to see that you know uh especially after the tough one you know to Bama a couple of weeks prior it was like this is man. All right. We are, we're a good football team, <laughs> a really good football team. So, um, so that's great. I got a lot of high hopes. I mean, obviously we have some incredible recruits coming in as well. So the future looks bright. I'm excited to get over to the SEC and, and win there. And I think this is a good, I think that that momentum we're building out of here, you know, we need to, we definitely need to win a, a big 12 championship or two before we go over there um, and end that right. But uh But, you know, going into that, it's like feeling like like we absolutely belong, which I already feel right now is good, where it's like in the past, you know, maybe didn't quite feel that yet, even though, you know, every time we get a chance to play one of these teams over there, we seem to do all right, you know, including uh, Sugar Bowl a few years ago against Georgia. So, um, I don't know. I've always been obviously a big believer in Texas, but um, it's good to see the result, you know, and to see some of those Ws start to stack up and excited about, Seeing how the season ends, even if even if TCU does get us, um, I it's you know it's going to be a hell of a game, and uh, and we're we're right where we need to be moving forward with the future. So I'm stoked.
0: Yeah, to see this team playing meaningful football in November. I mean, ESPN College Game Day is literally going to be here this weekend. Uh, that is a uh, big step forward. All right, Nate. Last question, because uh, even though this is airing for the first time tomorrow, November 9th, you and I are speaking on November eighth which is election Tuesday, you have always been a voice of reason in this crazy world with which we now live where people have a hard time having conversations, even disagreeable, especially disagreeable conversations about things. Are you optimistic or pessimistic right now with the direction that this country is headed? I'm optimistic.
2: um, And I'm not just saying that because I want to be optimistic because I also want to be optimistic, but uh, I I think that there's... There's a lot, a lot healthier conversations happening. Um, there's also still unhealthy conversations happening, um, but I think we just see the void in leadership and, and recognize that we need strong, probably younger leaders um, at all levels. Uh, people that are relate a little bit more to this generation. Um, I would love to see more veterans have opportunities in those leadership roles, you know, even at the highest levels, uh, I think that's very important. I'm not saying that veterans have all the answers or anything like that, but when you're talking about, um, you know, (laughs) global diplomacy and, uh, you know, it's just, especially now with all these, with a lot of the threats going on around the world, you know what I mean? And I think having somebody that's been there, boots on the ground, um, that sort of walked that walk there's a lot of value in that. And I know we have those people uh, in in office, you know, in various levels, but, you know, I I just, I I hope that somebody will emerge um, or some, or more people will emerge, I should say, um, with that background as we continue to move forward. And it shouldn't only be that because there's plenty of people um, on this civilian side of things that see see things differently than we do on the military side and, and offer a different perspective and a lot of value um to that as well. So I wanna see I want to see those groups work together. I want to see that all kind of um come together. And and I mean that's the hope uh for me. But uh I am optimistic. I think, you know, we're the type of place, America's the the kind of country that things will backslide and 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 start to collapse and 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 fall apart in some ways. And we're we're not quitters. We're not the type of place that we just allow that to happen. We're going to out of Pure survival instincts. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have to force, be forced to come together and figure this stuff out um, as we move forward. And so, I, I think that that's, I think that's what's gonna happen. That's what I truly believe. Um, and I think honestly, that's part of the importance of the story of MVP um, and, and, and the film. Like that's what it's about. It's about people from different backgrounds, different walks of life that on paper have nothing in common that come together because they do have a lot in common as well um as far as like where they're hurting and what they're struggling with and they need to lean on each other to figure this stuff out and it kind of opens up their eyes to new perspectives in the world And i think that that needs to that needs to happen nationwide worldwide um everywhere so uh, yeah I, I i i'm optimistic long story long i'm optimistic
0: <laughs> well if we could figure out a way to uh to claim to clone you, then uh, i would feel much better. No, in the you don't want that the direction. This whole thing is heading in. He is you definitely he, don't want that. He is Nate Boyer. The, uh, the website one more time for MVPs vets and and the new movie, it is called MVP. It is out on demand on veterans day. That would be this Friday, November 11th. I'm not exaggerating. When I tell you it is an excellent film. I had tears in my eyes at the end. Nate's performance is incredible. As uh, we've talked about throughout, he directed, co-wrote it as well. It is uh, filled with vets who play vets in the film. You also have uh, quite a bit of star power as well. Everybody from Tony Gonzalez to uh, Michael Strahan, Rich Eisen makes an appearance near the end. It's just a great film, and I can't wait for uh, Longhorn fans and everybody else to get to check it out. Nate, thank you as always for the time, man, and congratulations on this. Appreciate it, Trey. Welcome. All right, another show is in the books. Thanks again to Brian Jones and Nate Boyer. And thanks to you for checking things out today. If you are watching On Texas Football via YouTube, please do click that thumbs up button if you enjoyed the episode. And do make sure to subscribe to On Texas Football. For Trey Chats, I am Trey Elling. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the week. And hook them.